I would like to say good day to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by the Southfield members, members of the Southfield Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in the year 1997. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that will produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our 10 primary aims and constitutional objectives are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no 
other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. William Walker from the Southfield, Michigan branch, followed by scripture lesson, which will be Acts, the first chapter, and that will be read by Dr. Lauren Lewis, also of Southfield, Michigan. Dr. Walker. Uh, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, can we bow our hearts and our minds in just a brief minute of prayer, acknowledgement, and thankfulness to our almighty provider? We ask that you continue to shield us from all the cares of the world and the things that would take us from the knowledge and understanding of you and how you have ordained that this entire universe be run and operated. We ask that you speak to the speakers who will come before us this afternoon, and that you will open our minds of understanding whereby we may gain more wisdom, knowledge, and understanding concerning your purpose and your plan. We eternally ask these things in your son's name, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say, hallelujah. 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 I'd like to say good morning to the class, and I'll be reading out of the King James Version. However, the Holy Name Version is also displayed on your screen, substituting the true names where appropriate. <clears throat> That's Acts, the first chapter. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Yahshua began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of Yahweh, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Master, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? <clears throat> and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father had put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up 
and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yahshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into a upper room where, <clears throat> excuse me, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the Zealots and Judas, the brother of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Yahshua and with the and with his brethren, excuse me. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about a hundred and twenty. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was God, excuse me, which was guide to them that took Yahshua, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue as, as seldoma, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, these men which have companied with us all the time that the Savior, Yahshua, went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness which, uh, excuse me, with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barabbas, who was surnamed Justus and Matthias, and they prayed and said, Thou, Master, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lots fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. That was Acts, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lauren Lewis, for the scripture reading and Dr. William Walker for the prayer. And before we begin, we'd like to um, acknowledge some returning visitors between our brethren and those um, just joining our classes. We welcome you and we're very, very happy that you decided to join us today. Our readers for today will be Dr. Shirley Nelson and Dr. April Lewis. And at this time, I'm happy to call on our first speaker from our Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson? Good, good um, morning, class. <laughs> I was running to, morning, to morning. the computer. I'm sorry. Um, 
It is definitely and certainly a pleasure to have anything to say about this gospel. So thankful uh, this morning to wake up and once again, give praises unto Yahshua for his mercy and for his grace. And um, I enjoyed the prayer and I enjoyed the scripture reading as well. I don't have a whole lot on my mind, but I want you to go over and get me John the 11th chapter, if you will. There's just been a few things that Yahshua has just brought through and I'm um, gonna just try to share. I want you to get John the 11th chapter. I think that's over there talking about Lazarus, if I'm not mistaken. And then I want, first of all, though, I want you to give for me um, eternal life is to know, if you can get that for me. That's John 17 and one. Mm -hmm. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know that thou only art the true El, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Mm -hmm. Now, that scripture is the Messiah that is speaking. And if you have a King James Bible, if there happened to be anyone that's new on the uh, Zoom class, that would be written in red. Am I not correct, uh, reader? Yes, you're correct. Okay. All right, because we wanna make sure that it's just clear what this gospel is about. A man by the name of Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley had a vision in 1931 and he made a declaration. He said that he had a vision from the creator himself. And then he went on to say, now make me prove it. That statement, see, that statement that he said, make me prove it, see, was unlike anything I have ever heard uh, in any of my uh, religious affiliations of going to different churches and so forth. No one, no preacher, no anyone has ever said to me, make me prove what I say is correct or make me prove that this is true. But Dr. Kinley went about to do that. And he says that when he uh, was given that vision that Yahweh also instruct him or gave him the understanding to draw out the various charts. And the charts that you see in front of you when you come, when you uh, attend these classes and Zoom meetings, see, is a direct result of the vision that Dr. Kinley had. Now, most of us did not even have a clue that any place in the Bible talked about eternal life. We thought eternal life meant getting water baptized. We thought uh, tearing for the Holy Spirit. I'm just remembering how it was said in church and see, and then having been water baptized, of course, confessing the name of Jesus, all right? And opening when the doors of the church was opened, then we would go in and say, I wanna be saved. And once we tarried for the Holy Spirit, and so we thought, and in reality, we didn't even know how it was to really tarry for the Holy Spirit. But once we thought that we were doing that by in my case, personally, it was a result 
of a repeating, uh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. They told me to repeat it, raise my arms. One person held one arm up and the other uh, person in the church held, held the other arm and told me to repeatedly say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And that at that time I was tearing for the Holy Spirit. And so we felt that those were the things that caused us. And then once you're baptized, then those were the things that were caused you to be saved, see, or to have eternal life. No one ever told me that Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world called Jesus Christ, clearly states what eternal life is. Read that again for me, please, reader. 17 and three, and this is life eternal. Now, I, I know you said 17 and three, but I wanted you to read the whole part because it's a point I wanted to bring up. Okay, yes, that's John 17 and one. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Now he's talking about the hour is come and Messiah is talking about prophetic time, really. In reality, because the Messiah, see, was 33 years on the earth. See, Yahshua the Messiah, or Yahweh, had already declared, see, that a day with Yahweh is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So those 33 years that the Messiah lived on the earth, see, if you would do simple math, math equation, you will find out that those 33 years that he lived was equated to just about an hour. So the Messiah is saying, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son. Read. That thy son also may glorify thee. May glorify you. Now see, the Messiah was always glorifying his father. That's right. He did never take the places in the glory for himself. He always gave glory to the Father. Read. Second verse. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. Stop. Uh -huh. Now see that right there. I didn't know. But he's saying as thou, Father. This is his prayer to the uh -huh. Father. Now we know Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, Messiah. These three are one. But Yahshua, the Messiah, see, that's none other than Yahweh stepping down into that physical body to do the work that he had already purposed to be done. That's it right. was in this form of Yahshua, Messiah. It was in that, that form that he brought about, see, that Yahweh shed his blood or Yahshua, the Messiah shed his blood. So he didn't shed his blood in the spirit. He shed his blood, I mean, in a type, but the blood that you saw shed was through, through by the, in that body of Yahshua Messiah. See, so he is saying, this is life eternal, see, or go back to the second verse, as thou uh -huh. has given him power over all flesh. Uh -huh. The father has placed that into the hands of the son. He has the power over your flesh that he should give eternal life uh -huh. to as many as what? To as many as the father has given him. Uh -huh. So I'm telling you, this thing is so tight and is so powerful. See, but the Messiah recognized 
the state that he was in being that in that flesh. So when he looked upon and made the prayer to his father, that was him recognizing that higher or glorified state of even himself, which is his father. See, it sounds like it's a, you know, all conglomeration of messed up words, but the father, the word and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. So it's just in those two different manifestations, self-same spirit, see, but those two manifestations of corporeal and incorporeal that we're talking about, that we learn in this school. And then the Messiah, thank you very much for that chart, because what he did, what Yahweh did was put it in the creation, that's a Romans 1, 19 and 20, that you got something physical to understand how the Father and the Word and the Holy Spirit, these three being one. And when that thing is laid out, then there is no, see, excuse for not knowing. See, because Yahweh has laid it out. See, that you have a gas and a liquid and a solid, see? See, right within, see, that earth, right within the physical earth plane. And that's H, likened it to H2O, see? The equivalent of, or how they say, the, uh, the, uh, that being hydrogen, two parts, and um, one part hydrogen, two part oxygen, I believe it is, unless I said it in reverse. But that makes up, that's the chemical equation of H2O. But you got it in a gaseous state, which you can't see. That's likened into water vapor. And then you've got it coming down once the temperatures cool down. It comes down in this form. Now it's liquid. See, what you see all over the earth is water. See, that was none other than that gaseous state cooled down into that liquid state. You see that? And then once it's cooled down even more, that liquid state now becomes solid. Now that's right there within our earth plane. And if you take a glass of water, then you've got a glass of water and you put some ice in it. You have condensation or that vaporous type state, if you will, manifesting on the outside of that glass. That's why you got those water droplets on the ice outside of the glass, even though the water's on the inside. See, it's showing you a particular principle. So you got those water, you got that steam, if you will, or droplets on the outside. Then you got the water on the inside that is liquid, see, versus that gaseous state, then it's liquid. And see, and then you got the solid ice inside the glass. So here you are with H2O manifesting in its three states of condition all at the same time. So now when we say that to you, or when that's explained, and that was only brought out, we all knew about H2O when we were in school, but we never knew how to bring it down and to show how the, that particular principle of H2O actually pointed to the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. So now if H2O, which is just a type of physical manifestation, if it can exist in the gaseous liquid and solid state all in one time, these three are one molecule, see? Now, all at one time, it can exist. And likewise, Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, because that gas, liquid, and solid is patterned after Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, who can manifest, see, all at the same time, if you will. These three are one. Yahweh in pure spirit, 
manifested as Elohim in the super incorporeal form, see, and then later stepped down into that physical body in the physical form of Yahshua the Messiah. You see that? So these three being one. And then you've got everything in the creation to testify to that self-same principle or pattern that's in operation. That's what Yahweh does. We got to go, since I'm there, I'll just finish it. There's the proton, the atom. The atom is a proton, a neutron, and an electron. These three being one atom. You see what I'm saying? It's not three different ones there, but the makeup of it is a proton, a neutron, an electron that went round about. See, just like that tabernacle pattern was a most holy place, holy place, and a court round about. Now, I just have to say, when I first came to this school and they told me that, I said, they made that up. They made those words up. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. Now, that tells you where my ignorance was. But if you were to ask most people right now who are avid church goers into religion, they don't know anything about a pattern. They don't know that the Bible talks about the pattern in several books of the Bible. They don't know that. They couldn't tell you one thing or another about the Bible, the tabernacle pattern. But this is what Moses saw in the mountain. I need you to get the Moses chart for me over there. This is what he saw over there in that mountain when he went up, it was called up into the mountain. See, Yahweh just laid his body down and that's how Dr. Kinley depicted it in the, on this chart. Just laid his body down on that earth. He was just part of the earth of the elements he talked about in his depiction of his vision, see. And Yahweh just showed him, see, a vision, a panoramic vision of Elohim is what it says to Moses in 1490 B1. So Moses is looking at now what he saw is that Yahweh just what he's just manifests himself and he described himself. And he talks about that over in John one and one. We gotta, I haven't forgot where I started off, but I just I'm going to go to where I'm being led right now. So when he goes over here, get, get for me, John one and one. See, because it clearly explains what Moses is seeing up here, if you will, basically, you know. And he's talking about Yahweh Elohim. It's John 1 and 1, but I also want you to get over there in Exodus where he talks about that's what I really wanted in Exodus. I'm sorry. Which would you like first? Uh, uh, let me have Exodus over there. Okay. You want to start at three? Okay. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know exactly what there is, but yes, go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. What is it that you're looking for in Exodus? Oh, up there where he said then went up Moses when they saw Elohim. Okay, 24. Okay. That's Exodus 24 and 9. <clears throat> then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there were under his feet, as it were a pavework of a sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. He also, excuse me, also they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. And so now Moses, that is a depiction of Moses having this vision of Yahweh Elohim. And he said he had a body. He said he had hands and feet. You see that? That's what he talks about. He describes this body. 
Well, now Dr. Kinley goes on and further describes that Moses saw this Elohistic form and that he saw him transform into that threefold tabernacle, intangible tabernacle, uh, 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 tabernacle there in the wilderness of Sinai. See, on that mountain, he saw that there, see. You see, and he saw Elohim transform into that tabernacle showing how that everything was patterned after Elohim. That's why the chart itself is called Elohim, the archetype, which means original pattern of the universe. So all things is patterned after Yahweh Elohim, even the tangible tabernacle, see, if you will, is patterned after Yahweh Elohim. How so? It's got to have a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout, or the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You see that? You see, so when the when Yahweh explains this, see, it becomes very clear, see, that things are patterned, that you didn't understand it that way, but that that's how it is made and operates. So when he goes over and um, it takes the natural to understand the spirit, See, if you can uh, get the scripture for me, I'm forgetting the actual scripture. Uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20, I think it is. See, if you can go over there and get that for me real quick, then you can understand why that the creation has to be patterned, how all things is patterned after him. Read. Mm -hmm. Romans 1 and 19. Mm -hmm. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. You see that? Now it's beautiful scripture. We used to say that Romans 1, 19 and 20 was the theme psalm of this school, that it takes the natural things to understand the spiritual things. So the spiritual things in this case, if we can say it like that as an example, being the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That is the supernal nature of Yahweh, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, that these three being one, that's understood by the things that are made. And Romans 1, 19 and 20 said, it's clearly seen by the things that are made. So when you're looking at H2O as an example, then you it's clear that the Father, Word, Holy Spirit, these three being are one, you can understand that because you can see the, uh, uh, you can see the gash and the liquid and the solid, these three are one. So you're looking at something natural to understand something that's spiritual. And so Yahweh's just been resounding these things in my mind every time is listening to different classes, you know, on Zoom. And it's just to repeat the beat of the spirit of the gospel that's being preached. See, it's the consistent constantness of this gospel. We cannot talk, stop preaching this gospel. That's why we're on Zoom now, because these Zoom classes are going out among the world, see. Now it was, we had an in-house class just recently last Sunday and it was beautiful. And Yahweh showed me the importance also 
when we can do those in-house classes because we had three visitors for that in-house classes because three or four visitors that we had first-time visitors that probably would not have had the opportunity to hear about this gospel or to be at one of these schools, except that we had that in-house seat. But we were still maintaining these Zoom classes. Yahweh did this for a reason. So we are in the, he's given us the ability to do both. We got to do all that we can, all that we can to put this gospel out, to tell somebody about this truth to tell someone about Yahweh, Elohim, Yahshua, to give his name, to share his, his makeup, to understand the mission and the purpose. The gospel itself is the only thing that's causing stability in us now. I've shared this story many times before. When I worked for Children's Hospital of Michigan, I worked for it before it became the Detroit Medical Center with a conglomerate of uh, hospitals. But at this time, they were just building, they were just starting to build some of the other hospitals. But this particular instance, they were building the parking structure, which was adjacent to the hospital. So when they were building this whole area, the area that I had to walk would be right past this to get to the hospital, would be right past this construction site. And that, and I watched them day in and day out as I was back and forth coming and going from work. I watched them lay the foundation of that structure. And I was in class, but it wasn't until I actually saw that that I understood, understood how that, that blood, water, and spirit, death, burial, resurrection, Father, Word, Holy Spirit, see that whole unity there or that whole foundation, that's when I understood it even more because I watched them lay concrete down and then I watched them lay a grid down. And the grid was just like our chart, see, our chart that you can, uh, if, the elementary chart. That's how the grid was, lines, latitude and longitude lines, see. That's how they laid that foundation. Then they would put concrete on top of that again. And then they would lay that grid again. And it was long, longitude lines that's going down. You see these pad, this chart on the pattern of, plan of salvation, Yahweh laid it out caused Dr. Kinley to draw it the way he had seen it in his vision. And he called it the chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. Why did it have to be threefold in its nature? You got threefold, see, plate C, if you will, see, at the top. And then you've got a separation line there. Then you've got threefold plates at the bottom, see. And this is, we saying, I'm using that term plate, and we've heard that where it's like a table, a table with plates on it, see? And that's basically what it is, see? And it's something we can just eat off of. It's a smorgasbord. And the eating off of it, it sustains us and fills us and nourishes us, see? While we're eating off of these plates. You understand, see? That's how Yahweh set this thing up. So you've got one, two, three, see, in the transgression plate. One, two, three, in the 
Noah preparation entering the ark plan. That's pointing to the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, see. Mo the tabernacle pattern, the most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. So I watched them lay that foundation, and that's how it looked like this chart. See, if you know what I mean. See, that was great, though, the way that was laid out there, see. And it stuck, and I, it was like a light went off. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. That's how he talks about I understood it being the foundation. Because if you don't have the sure foundation, then of what, Yahshua, what Yahweh did, see, in the principles that he laid out, see, then, see, what we would do is sway. See, you would end up, see, it's like a man who didn't, who built his house on sand and didn't build it, you know, the way that it was supposed to have been built. See, a harsh wind come along and there he goes. So you've got this wind of doctrine that came about, see, and what that wind of doctrine did, see, is it took a lot of people away, see, and they bought that wind of doctrine because they did not have the sure foot foundation that was already laid. See, we don't want to change anything that Yahweh has laid down for us. So now, since I said that, I'm going to say, see, that I want you to go over there and get for me uh, the unity of the spirit, if you will, over there in John, 1 John 5 and 7. If you get, and I may come back to where I was at, because that was what was originally on my mind. But right now, this is where he's taken me to. And so if you can get that scripture for me, please. First John five mm. and seven. Mm. For there are three that bear a record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. You see that? So the three that bear record is the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. This bear record or is a fact in heaven. So therefore, everything that Yahweh does, see, because he is that pattern. See, when he duplicates himself, everything comes forth that way. One, two, three, testifying to the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Everything does. So now here he said, go ahead, finish reading. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Now you see that? So the record in heaven is the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. See? Like the most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. That's one tabernacle. See, like your head cavity, your chest cavity, and your abdominal region, that's one body. You see what I'm saying? It's not three different bodies. That's one body. Right. So that's the record that's in heaven, pointing to the witness that is in earth, or the witness in earth, really, the blood, wine, and spirit points to the record in heaven. Because mm -hmm. this witness in the earth plane is just the manifestation of the record that's in heaven. So that's why Yahweh Elohim, these three being one, he just, just, he just duplicated himself, if you will, throughout the creation. And everything in the creation, therefore, is threefold in nature, see, pointing to the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. So now, over, but you go back over here to the chart. Let me see. I want to see the uh, 
old part of the chart, if you will, of the, I'm only seeing half of it. Can you bring it, can you take it back some so that you can see? Okay. The chart on the pattern or the plan of, of, of salvation, see? And so now here you have here, told you that the witness in the earth plane was the blood and the water and the spirit. So this is pointing to something is what Yahweh laid out. So in the transgression chart, see, you got to have some blood taking place, which is synonymous to a death, see. Adam and Eve was up here in the garden, see, and they were there in that garden in peace, joy, and happiness, if you will, see. And he just placed them in that garden, see. And then that negative spirit, see, or Satan himself duped that woman and told her a lie. See, he said to her, did Elohim say that you cannot eat of every tree that's in the garden? She corrected him and said, Elohim said that we may eat of every tree in the garden, except for the tree in the midst of the garden. Don't eat it, don't touch it, at least you die. And that negative spirit or Satan just changed them little words around and said, you won't surely die. See, but they did die but they didn't die the way that a physical mind would be thinking that they died. So that was like, that was that death because when they took of the fruit, she ate of it and then she gave it to her husband and then he ate of it, you see? And so they died instantaneously in their conscience. They were dead. In other words, they died in their souls, see, is what happened here, see. They were in peace, joy, and happiness. They did not know that they were naked. They were innocent as children, as a babe. But when they partook of that fruit or disobeyed the commandment of Yahweh, then that death came about. And as it talks over there, I believe it is in Romans, you don't have to get it. It says the death passed upon all men after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So when that transgression took place here in this transgression plate, see, that death that was put on the man, see, passed upon all mankind. Now, Adam and Eve, see, Adam himself didn't live, didn't, did not die until some 930 years later. The physical body did die. So when that negative spirit, he said, you won't surely die. You see how he just, but the true death, see, is the death in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? These, that's why I wanted to go over and get Lazarus because of something that I was just looking at more clearly with that. Well, just me. I mean, everybody else may have seen it, but it was just that Yahweh is showing us, look, the true death, see, is to die in the spirit or in your soul. See, when we die from this natural standpoint, it's not over. It's not done. It's not finished. You understand? It's just the flesh that's gone. In reality, we're just beginning because Yahweh has something for us. And he's saying to me, you must understand that. That's not to say we don't grieve when people die. We do. We miss them in the flesh, but that's not the end of them. That's not, it's not over. That's not just it. You know, eat and drink, they said, for tomorrow we die and that's done. When you die, you die, you're dead. That's not it. You go on. Yahshua has promised us eternal life. That means life 
everlasting. And he also promised life and life more abundant. What is life more abundant? That's the life in the spirit. Do you understand? Here on this side with the Holy Spirit, and then once we take off this flesh eternally, see, in the spirit or glorified with Yahweh Elohim. That's the more abundant. What we call abundant life on this end don't mean nothing. What, a little money, extra money, a nice house that can burn up? Some people over there in California, they're burning up. Beautiful homes, they're burning up. That's what y'all, the world's on fire. This is not a plaything. He's saying that every day, take it serious, Shirley. Understand what I did. And I'm not talking about running charts. I'm not talking about the understanding your heart. Seek Yahweh while he yet might be found. That's why you got, that's when you have the breath of life in you. That's when you can seek him. When you tell, stop the breath of life, it's too late then. He's given all mankind a period of time. To Yahweh, remember in the scripture we read, he said that he gave eternal life to Yahshua Messiah to as many as the father has given him. He's given it the power of that to give eternal life. And what did the Messiah say? See, if you believe on me, see, you call on me, you believe on me, believe my work, see. Faith and trust in me, see, I will afford you eternal life. So we've already had, Yahshua has already in this doomed world made a way out just as he did for them. See, at that time, because they died in their conscience, but he said to the woman that in childbearing, she shall be saved. See, when you see them coming out and Adam has his hand, when they're in the chart that says Adam driven out, see, he's buried in that condemnation because when they were when they died in their soul or in their consciousness, then the condemned state came about. Now that's what his soul is, is condemned. It's dead, see, it has no hope until Yahweh, Yahshua Messiah, I see the bell, Yahshua Messiah made a way out for them. And he said, in childbearing, you shall be saved. So not that she was having a baby that's gonna save her, as I used to think way back in the day, <laughs> you know, you get pregnant and you die when you're pregnant, then that must mean that you're saved if you die while you're having your baby, no. This was a principle showing that Yahshua Messiah was going to come through the lineage and the loins of a woman, see? So it's through childbearing or that child being born in the physical earth or to a woman, see, that there will be salvation because it was through him that his death was going to afford the buyback that was necessary when their souls, see, went down into damnation, see? He just bought them back, see? That's what he redeemed them. That's what the word redeem means, to buy back. So he redeemed them through by his blood, through by his death. And then he poured out that spirit collectively on mankind. So I'm gonna be obedient to the bell. Maybe somebody else will finish it up. But I wanted to just say those things. Lazarus went to the grave, but Lazarus, see, he went to the grave and Yahshua Messiah let him stink for four days before he resurrected him. And the thing that's so beautiful to me, 
is that he did it and he said, and I just, can you just get that one scripture for me over there in John the 11th and I'll be done. And he said to them for this cause so that you might believe, you know that scripture when he told them why he let Lazarus, if you will, he waited four days and he said, so that they will believe just if you can get that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it may uh, that's the 15th, if you want to start April, uh, you might want to go up a little bit, though. Okay, um, let's try, you said 15? The 15th verse is where he says, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, but you may want to step, start up a little bit. Okay, Maybe let's try, try nine. Yeah, um, John 11 and nine. Yashua answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If, I'm sorry. I think it's right before he raised Lazarus from the dead. It's the 15th verses where it's at. If you want exactly just those words, um, she was picking up the train of thought. But go ahead and start at 15, April. Maybe. Okay, this is John 11 and 15. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go into him. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, it I'm may have been someplace else that I thought, but that's okay. Okay. But my point is, is that it's when verse I was, 41. Okay. Okay, John 11 and 41. Excuse my background. John 11 and 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Yahshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Mm. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by it, by I, that stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Now you see that? So everything the Messiah did, he did for the purpose that they might believe. Do you understand, see? And so that they might believe. See, I just let this thing just go on like it did. He was dead for four days. You see what I'm saying? This whole thing with Lazarus even dying that they might believe. See, everything that the Messiah did. And then he, when he went on and he said, I am the resurrection, see, and the life, you see what I'm saying? And he had to call, declare first who he was. And he called, cried and called Lazarus to come forth bound with those grave clothes do you understand? That's where all of us have been. That's what I'm trying to say. But Lazarus had to go back to the grave. He had to die again because the flesh dies. But when the Messiah calls you from the dead, and that means that death of ignorance, darkness, hell, denial, see all the stuff that's going on in this world, See, when he calls you from that and brings you into the light of his glorious gospel, see, you are no longer dead. Even when you take off this flesh, you are alive forevermore if your soul is his. So that's where we want to be. The rest of this stuff don't matter. We want to have Yahshua in us and us in him. We want to be one in him. We want his spirit in us, acclimated, causing us 
to be, changing our thinking, our form. See, causing us to be of his nature, his spirit. And it is that that will keep you, that will give you foundation, that will allow you to endure these times we are in. But look to Yahshua for all things because he is the one who is able, not us. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to have anything to say. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you very much, Dr. Nelson. We enjoyed that. And for our next speaker, we're happy to call also from the Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Sharon Lewis. Dr. Lewis? I would like to say good afternoon to the class. Good afternoon. And I uh, just want to say I thoroughly enjoyed the previous speaker. Um, everything from the moment I turned class on, from the singing to everything. I stood in my, um, looking out my window this morning, giving praise to Yahshua for the mercy that he has bestowed upon each and every last one of us. And realizing that Yahweh do not need any of us to preach his gospel. The rocks will cry out to preach this gospel. The birds preach the gospel. The elements, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything is preaching his gospel of mercy. The trees, the, the leaves, the flowers growing. And what Yahweh is doing for us, his son, he's in tuning us and making us conscious of these things. We no longer just think they're haphazardly happening but everything Yahweh is the purpose for. Everything that's going on, everything we see, everything we understand or even don't understand, Yahweh is the purpose for that. And I am great, I'm so grateful to be a part of this teaching because what we come to understand is that you've been, we've been selected, we've been chosen um, from the foundation of time we, Yahweh has called forth his son. And I, my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures again is in Colossians where it says the mystery that has been revealed. So if you can get that for me, um, the previous speaker laid down a beautiful foundation. And hopefully I, I just ask if Yahweh has anything to speak through me, get me out of the way and speak this mystery. Now, what he's telling me more and more I just said to my husband this morning uh, when the first speaker started speaking, and it made me think she was talking about that foundation. And what Yahweh has been impressing upon me lately is that we ministers of Yahshua the Messiah, and let me, let me qualify this now. Anyone that Yahweh's given an understanding about to, given his name to, you are a minister of Yahshua Messiah. It is after the truth. Anyone can just recite Yahweh, but you have to have an understanding. He has to give you an understanding as he really is and actually exists. If he has done that to you, according to the scriptures, understanding this divine vision, understanding his purpose, don't have to know it thoroughly, but realize it in your heart that this is the truth. You are a minister of Yahshua the Messiah. So he's telling me 
that those that Yahweh has given an understanding to, you and we have an obligation to preach it like we got it. It's no, we, can't, we can't do nothing else better than the way we received it. So we received it a certain way. And that's what Yahweh's pressed upon my mind. Give what made me say, oh, I see that. Give to when I talk about Yahshua, the things that he made me say, yes, that's right. And feel that joy of understanding leap in my heart. That's all we got to give. So once again, it's not, I don't, I don't have anything to say. I don't have a story, but Yahweh's story is the story to tell. So I just want to go ahead and get that one scripture for me, and I'll just go into where he leads me today. But I wanted to say, let me finish this point, is that when the previous speaker was talking about that foundation being laid, it made me think about the beauty and the evidence that Yahweh has given in the earth plane. And we have a sure foundation and a knowledge and understanding of him. So go ahead and give me that first scripture in Colossians, please. That's Colossians 1 and 26. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sons. Okay. To, mm -hmm. to whom Yahweh would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is the Messiah in you, the hope of glory. Now that mystery that has been hidden Yahweh has made it known to his son. And that mystery is the Messiah in you, the only hope of glory. That is awesome to me, absolutely awesome. Now, just to give you a little background history, this school was founded on a divine vision and revelation given to the founder, Dr. Henry Clipper Kenley. We don't worship Dr. Kenley. You see, his name is as small as it can possibly be on the corner of this chart. And we have his name there because he drew the track. You see, he saw the vision. And other than that, in these schools, when we have physical buildings, there was no pictures of Dr. Kenley. We don't glorify the flesh. But what was placed in that man was the self-same spirit that was placed to, in Moses, seeing that self-same vision, Looking at this chart, you see Moses, where it says panoramic vision of, Moses, of Elohim to Moses. That was in 1490 BY. On the right of the chart, you see panoramic vision of Elohim to John. That was in AD 96. Dr. Kenley comes along and says that he saw the same thing that Moses and John saw. Yahweh gave him the same thing. He did not give him another vision. It was not another thing, you see. So he expressed the same thing. And throughout the patriots and prophets, the time that Yahweh has set forth in this current present dispensation and age, he has given them the same thing. So any prophet that speaks about Yahweh is going to say what Moses said, is going to say what John said, is going to understand and say what Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley said. It's the self-same story. Yahweh did not change it, you see. So here he is, is that when we look at this chart, this chart here called the Elohim, the archetype original pattern of the universe. And as I was getting ready to say, is that 
this school, Dr. Kenley gave or received this vision from Yahweh in the year 1931. This school has been on three ecclesiastical peace missions, went around the world, sat in front of the Pope of Rome, you know, or should I say he had an audience with the Cardinal at that time, but the Pope, Dr. Kinley, told the delegation and knew for surety by the dictates of Yahweh that he was on closed circuit TV watching the delegates uh, explain this gospel. It's been to heads of states, magistrates, the World Council of Churches changed their tone or said they had to open up the windows and let, let fresh air in talking about their current doctrine. That was stated after they received the Elohim book that Dr. Kenley wrote, which was four volumes of that book, explaining to you what these classes go into. Just the same thing that we're talking about now has gone around the world when they went on those ecclesiastical peace missions. You see what I'm saying? So this school has been around since 1931. And I think I had stated to you uh, before that, you know, the time frame that you wouldn't even go, you couldn't even begin to I'm thinking for myself to belong to any organization for that length of time, but there are members who have been here from the foundation. Yahweh has taken uh, one of them recently um, home, you know, uh, Dr. Dean of the Springfield branch, Dr. Oliver Greer, you know, the physical body has to go on, but this gospel must stand and it will stand. So I want to just talk about this chart in a little bit. This particular chart is, as I stated, called Elohim, the archetype original pattern of the universe. And if you look at this orange cloud all around the edges of this chart, as the moderator stated, that orange fiery cloud represents the presence of Yahweh, or, of other, or in other words, is symbolized as Yahweh. In that is manifesting or he's manifesting within the cloud, symbolizing eternity or Jerusalem above. So that means that everything that's on the cloud, as you see all this, these items on this cloud, it looks like scrambled eggs, everything that's on this chart, you know, but that's only representing that we live, move and have our being in Yahweh that everything is operating right within Yahweh. There's nothing outside of Yahweh. You can't go above Yahweh to get above him or below him to get be below him. So everything is operating and contained right within Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is spirit. As I stated, it says, manifesting within the cloud. Now, we never knew, speaking for myself, I never knew what spirit was. If you can get for me, John 4 and 24. And as the previous speaker has stated, she talked about having over in John 14 or 17 and 3 read that eternal life is to know that she never knew that was even in the Bible. I didn't either. And also get for me in, um, I think it's 2 Thessalonians um, 1 and 7, because what she pointed out, eternal life is to know but then what is the um, consequences of not knowing? So Yahweh did something that we won't have an excuse for. So quickly get John 17 and one, and then 
get Second Thessalonians 1 and 7. I'll just bring out that point. That's John 17 and 1. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. Okay. That they may know thee, the only true heir, and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Let me repeat that. And this is life eternal. Everybody want to know what's eternal life? What do I have to do for eternal life? Well, this is life eternal. That they might know the only true Elohim and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Okay, now let me have 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. That's 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Pause for one second, because mm -hmm. I want to make a statement here. There are many that are troubled yes. right now in this time. We have a world that's unprecedented like none other time. The scriptures reference that that it will come a time at the end of this physical age that things that will be happening will be unprecedented. It, the way it says in the scripture, it will be such a time as never before seen. So we are witnessing that the world has changed. We are now in a climate change. The climate that has changed is in the hearts and in the minds of people. On the earth plane, there are negative spirits operating, and this is why we see the upheaval that we have. Yahweh has said that this time has happened before, and he's ended an age before because of the climate change. He says it repented him that he made man. But man was evil continually, and the only thing on his heart and mind was to do evil. So you see there's a climate change. It's taken the natural to understand the spiritual things that Yahweh has given. So over in 2 Thessalonians, she's about to read, what's in contrast with knowing eternal life to, is to know, what's in contrast to that? Go ahead and read. 2 mm -hmm. Thessalonians 1 and 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When Yahshua the Messiah shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not Yahweh and that obey not the gospel of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. And I want you to get me first to Corinthians 15 and 1, because that is actually what was on my mind is the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah and his mission. Mm -hmm. You see, so eternal life is to know Yahweh, eternal damnation or flaming vengeance on them that know not Yahweh and who not do not obey the gospel. So it's imperative. We thought it was doing something that would give us eternal life. In the scriptures just now, it told us eternal life is to know him, to know Yahweh. So I want to just introduce you 
to Yahweh through by this divine vision and understand and revelation and Yahshua the Messiah, these three being one. So on this chart, you see Yahweh is spirit. Get, and I asked for John 4 and 23, start at please. That's John 4 and 23. Mm -hmm. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Okay, the true worshipers. Now, if there's true worshipers, there must be some false worshipers. So if you're a true worshiper, we must worship the Father in spirit and truth. Go ahead and read. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Not because it's just our choice. We want to do something different than the mainstream. That's not it. When Yahweh showed this divine vision to Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley, he told him how he was supposed to be worshipped in the heart and mind. That's the true worshiper in spirit and in truth, because the father, Yahweh, seeketh such to worship him that way. Go ahead and read. Yahweh is spirit. Now, Yahweh is spirit. That's what this chart says. Read. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, now I just wanted that read. So when you go back to this chart, you're looking at this fiery cloud, which is denoting Yahweh being manifested in that cloud, which is denoting spirit. So right there, you see Yahweh is spirit. And in the spirit, pure spirit state of Yahweh is incomprehensible. He's inscrutable and he's indiscernible. That means you can't discern him. You can't comprehend him. He's inscrutable where you can't even make him out. You see, in this pure spirit state, nine principal divine attributes that's listed there, wisdom, intelligence, and knowledge, love, beauty, and justice, foundation, power, and strength. Those are nine principal attributes that make up Yahweh. You see, make him up. That's his composition, if you would, you know, and they're all intangible. They're all spirit. You can't touch them, feel them, see them. There's manifestations of it. Now, let me explain this too, how it's explained to me. You can't, it's not Yahweh is wise or he's intelligent or he's so smart and have a lot of knowledge. He is the sum total of those attributes. He is where your wise or your smarts or your intelligence come from. He is wisdom itself. He is intelligence itself. It's that pure essence of knowledge. That's Yahweh. And if we, the doctors, the musicians, the physics, the regular laymen have any of these attributes that we manifest, this is where we got them from. The source is Yahweh. He's the source. He's the substance. He's the limits. He's the bounds of everything. Now that's Yahweh in his pure spirit state. And we as mere mortal man with five senses, we cannot comprehend that. So he has to break himself down. She talked to you about the unity of the spirit. And that's what Yahweh is doing. He moved Yahweh in his pure spirit state, moved from this lofty state of intelligence and wisdom and knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, strength, still containing those attributes, but he moved from that pure spirit state. 
he took on shape and form known as Elohim. That is the word or son. So now you see on this chart, panoramic vision of Elohim to Moses, 1490 BY. Then you see vision of Elohim in incorporeal form. And you see Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, that white section of this chart here. And they're looking, and they all see, this is in Exodus, the 24th chapter. Take notes, go home, read the notes that you have taken, what you hear when you listen to, to this teaching. So... 74 people is seeing Elohim. Now they're seeing him in a vision. That's how Yahweh comes and reveals himself or shows himself to people throughout the ages, throughout the uh, patriarchs and the prophets. When Yahweh spoke to him many times, they, he spoke to them in visions. So he was showing Moses a panoramic vision panoramic meaning all encompassing. He saw it on all sides, every angle of it. He saw the whole picture, you see. So he's seeing this and then he shows also that this pure spirit that when you see that fiery cloud, it took on or it moved into that shape and form of a man, Elohim. Let me have over there Exodus 24, nine and 10. That's Exodus 24 and 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Pause one moment. It makes me think back when I first heard and sat in front of this teaching. And I heard them say, a picture is worth a thousand words. And it's so pretty to see that manifestation. Because exactly what the Bible is saying, Yahweh, or through Dr. Kinley's drawing these charts, he illustrated exactly what was said in the Bible. Read it again, please. Then we have Moses and Aaron. Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they okay. saw, mm -hmm, and they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. And you see, they were seeing a spiritual uh, vision and a spiritual incorporeal vision of a shape and form of a man. That's what they were seeing, you see? He had a head, he had chest, he had legs. Upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hands. So he had hands and feet, you see? They saw a shape and form of a man, something you can identify with, you see? That was Yahweh moving from that pure lofty state of pure spirit. He took on shape and form. Mm -hmm. She explained to you about that water doing the self same thing. That, uh, that vapor, steam vapor, if you would, you know, of that H2O, you know, it's likening to the cloud. You can't, it's no apparent or descriptive shape and form. It's all jumbled. You can't make anything out of it. But then it takes on a shape and form when you bring the temperature up, 
you see, or is it cooling down? I always forget that. Uh, it brings the temperature. Uh, and down. is it down? I'm sorry. Thank you so much, Dr. Lewis. I can never I always forget that jumbles in my mind when it cools it down and that it becomes ice, that water vapor becomes solid. You see, are not solid, but it becomes um, water. So that's likened to Elohim taking on this incorporeal, invisible, if you would, shape and form of a man. You can kind of see through it. His body was clear, um, uh, a body of clearness, heaven and his clearness. That's likened into the water. And then he manifests later as Joshua Messiah, which is likened into the ice. So these three being one, but back to Elohim, when they're seeing this vision, they're seeing the shape and form of Yahweh Elohim, then Moses sees the shape and form of Elohim in a, or incorporeal state of existence, transform into this threefold intangible sanctuary. So right next to him, you see the threefold and intangible sanctuary. That sanctuary had three parts to it. She mentioned to you a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. Then you see this half figure of a man on this chart. So Moses was seeing in his vision Yahweh coming together in shape and form as a man known as Yahweh Elohim, the incorporeal state, moving out of that pure sphere to the incorporeal state and shape and form of a man. Then he transferred into this threefold intangible sanctuary. Then he formed or transfigured back into the shape and form of a man. From that point, he showed Moses how that each day of the creation and logical sequences went, went according to the threefold makeup of the tabernacle pattern. So he was showing Moses that everything in the creation goes according to the threefold tabernacle pattern shown to thee in the mount. Now the true pattern is Elohim. You see, when he's showing us, now remember, let's go back to Elohim, the figure, the superincorporeal. I said to you that Elohim, this was the word or son. We have at the top of the chart, Elohim, the archetype original pattern, meaning that everything was after the pattern. So if this was the word, you see, the word being made flesh, if you would, is likened into, you know, he had to, the word, let me explain this way, how it was said to me. I'm not, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I want to say it just like it was saying, said to me, which made me remember it. If he's the word, then we have definitions to the word. So you can look at that tabernacle pattern as the definition to the shape and form, which is the word. I hope I didn't jumble that up. That shape and form is the word. And so that tabernacle pattern is the definition of that form, incorporeal form that they saw, you know, and that's what everything goes according to. Then he moved back into that shape and form of a man. And then again, day by day, logical sequences, you see. Now, Yahweh, knowing that man still could not perceive of him in that pure spirit state, took on the shape and form and later, 
This is the point I wanted to get to. Because in my mind, I always say, what is the sum total of it all? Mm -hmm. The sum total of it all is Joshua the Messiah. I told you that mystery of the Joshua in you, our only hope and glory. And he had to come out of that lofty state. He had to come down and he had to die for your sin and for my sin and for the sins of the world. And he's known in this physical form as Joshua the Messiah. That is the Holy Spirit. And that is the one that died for you. And that is the one that we all must have in us. Now, how do we, how do we get him in us? And I know I'm almost out of time. So I just, I want to say this because it's so important. This is what we need now, especially in today's climate. When we talk about Yahshua the Messiah. He had a mission. He had to come out of that pure spirit state of Yahweh. He had to manifest in the flesh. He had to die for the sins of mankind. He had to do the work of the father. When he came in and stepped in on the scene, he talked about he had to fulfill. We come to understand that fulfill means to finish complete bring to a design in. Thank you for this chart because everything as you see here, Old Testament is fulfilled. Everything that was written in the Bible was fulfilled in Yahshua Messiah. Let me repeat that again. Everything that was done, the crossing of I's and the dotting of T's was fulfilled by Yahshua in the flesh, from a jot into a tittle, everything. Time would not permit to go through what all he did. That's the right. Bible says the book couldn't contain. That's right. The world couldn't contain the work that he did. He was moving at the speed of light. This was the creator himself that manifested in shape and form of a man. He manifested as just a regular man. The difference between him is there was no gal in him. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he was not any sin in him. He came in to fulfill. The world Christian doom tells us he came in to institute a Christian example. He did not. That is erroneous. Every scripture, and you can get them very quickly because I don't know what time it is, but I feel I'm out of time. Uh, Matthews 3.13, Matthews 5.17, and Luke 24 and 44, I think it is. If you can read those for me quickly, just to understand, fulfill the word institute, write it down, look at your dictionary. This is a school, it's not a church. Institute means begin and set up. Fulfill means to end complete. Those are total opposites. And that's what that negative spirit that's in this world will do. Have you going off on a tantrum, doing something that the creator has already done for you, you see? So there's nothing that we need to do. Read the scriptures quickly, please. Matthews 3 and 13. Mm -hmm. Then cometh Yahshua from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Yahshua answering said unto him, 
suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, remember the word fulfill means to end or complete. So I'm gonna throw that in. For thus it becometh us to end all things, complete all things. Okay, read the next one. Matthews 5 and 17. Mm -hmm. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Okay, go ahead. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or the smallest tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Jot and tittle means crossing T's, dotting I's. So everything from the smallest dot had to be fulfilled by Yahshua Messiah. The first scripture she read was to John the Baptist. He came in to baptize dead Jews. They were dead because of Adam's transgression in the garden. So it's, too, it's a long story. It's an it's a in-depth story that keep coming back. You'll hear the whole story. You see, he said that to one man. This one here in Matthews 5, 17 was to a multitude of people. He's been walking around now three and a half years. He's telling them what his mission was, why he came in. And all of those scriptures talk about him doing the will of the father. You see, so now he's saying to multitude, I came in to fulfill. Read the last one I gave you. That's Luke 24 and 44. Mm -hmm. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses mm -hmm. and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, guess what? Again, he said fulfill. This was after his death. This is during the time that he resurrected or not resurrected, but Yes, resurrected and was seen of his disciples some 11 times. This was one during that time that he came to them in a vision again. See, because he had, he went to the grave. And when he resurrected, he did not resurrect a physical body. They were seeing visions. And he told them then at that time to his disciples, these are the words that I spake while I was yet with you. See, if we didn't hear the story through this vision, we got our imagination. That's what's happened in the church world. Now we all came from the church world. We're not talking about the church people. We're talking about their doctrine. The doctrine is incorrect. The doctrine is not true. You see, so this is the true story of Yahweh through his son, Yahshua Messiah. What he came in to do was to fulfill the will of the father to a jot and to a tittle. He came in and he died the death willingly, not willfully, willingly. He right. went to the cross because he is the father or he is the husband and he was dying for his bride. The bride is you and I. We're his wife. We are his people. You see, husband, men and women, you're a bride. You know, let go of the manchoness. That's what we all come to understand. Women have male hormones men have female hormones we're all female to Yahweh Yahshua Messiah is the only male and he's the only true husband so he came in Old Testament again looking at this chart fulfilled 
When I had that word fulfilled, I said, it means end, complete, finish. See, it's done. He moved it out of the way. What was done? The, the act of circumcision for um, salvation is over. They had to do it years ago. In this present kingdom age, they couldn't do it. It's no longer valid. Ceremonies are no longer valid. Baptism for salvation is out, is done away with. He came in and he baptized. Everything that we call ourselves doing from a righteous standpoint, he concluded it. He finished it and nailed it to the cross. We have on that chart also Passover or Lord's Suppers. They call it sometimes the Last Supper. This was the last supper that he had in the flesh with his disciples. He said, do it in remembrance until I come again. The church world stops at that. They don't realize he came. Then I tell you that he, he resurrected. He said, I'll eat it new with you in the kingdom, not the crackers and grape juice. So Passover, Lord's suppers is ended. They made it the everlasting supper instead of the last supper. That's over. Sacrifices, over. No longer do you have to take a bullock and a goat and a turtle dove to an altar and slaughter it. He was the only worthy sacrifices. You see, the only one, when he came in, he was sacrificed. They had to kill those animals during the time of uh, the, uh, Moses in the wilderness when they built the tabernacle out there. And those sacrifices that they had to kill continually to be cleansed for their sin, the sacrifice, the innocent animal died for the people in the wilderness. They had to bring a sacrifice every time they sinned. And guess what? They did that every day, all during the day, which means the people sin continuously. Even sin they didn't know. They had sin, sacrifices taken for sin that they didn't even know they sinned for, you see. But Yahweh knew. Now, those sacrifices was a type, a type, a shadow, an allegory. There is an example. The true sacrifice was Yahshua. So all those sacrifices, can I just have the ages and dispensation chart quickly? All of those sacrifices, which was done in the post-Diluvian age. Can I have the ages and dispensation? All of those that was done at that particular time was just a type. That was a time period that was valid for those sacrifices. The post-Diluvian age, you see where it says all of, all of those, uh, the law that was given and all of that, that's the antediluvian age you're on. Then there's a post-Diluvian age, that's the third age. That's when all you see physical kingdom of Israel, law of cardinal ordinances, the number four. All of that was given for time. That particular age ended with the death, burial, resurrection. Now that's why I was saying, I wanted to show you this chart. It ended, it was fulfilled, it was concluded. So that way of worshiping, 
the law of the carnal ordinances that was imposed upon the people at that time ended when the real, the true sacrifice, Yahshua the Messiah came in, fulfilled it all in the three and a half years of his ministry. He was in the flesh for 33 years, but he came on the sin scene for his ministry 30 and three and a half years. He concluded all of those physical sacrifices. Impossible. That's what we would say. Impossible. All those physical sacrifices they had for years and years. It wasn't impossible because there's nothing's impossible in Yahweh. He concluded it. He finished it. Nailed it to his cross. Where we are right now, the present kingdom age is the fourth age. This is where we are. This is now a spiritual kingdom. There's no work during this time. There is no, nothing physical we can do. There's no physical sacrifices we can bring to an altar. There's nothing we do but have faith through the Holy Spirit. So Yahshua the Messiah nailed all those cardinal ordinances to the cross. Go back to that chart. And I'm going to switch back and forth because I'm you know, trying to end now. Go back to the um, cardinal ordinances chart. So he nailed it to the cross. Now, this where it says New Testament is written in the heart of mine. That you just saw the ages and dispensation, fourth age. This is the age we're in now. This is the time period we're in. The New Testament is written in the heart of mine, not in fleshly tables of stone like the old. Remember, they went up to the Mount. Yahweh wrote with the finger of Elohim and Moses came down from the Mount with the tables of stone. Many of us have seen the Ten Commandments. Now, when the Messiah comes in, he concludes all that. He willingly dies go to the cross. That is the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice. Sacrifices and offerings that would is not, but a body, the scripture says, have I prepared for thee. So that body that's going to only be sacrificed only once. He's not doing this one again. He's not getting on the cross again. You see, that only happened once. Now that New Testament, when he died, the death of the testator or that will that he provided. He promised them, see, there was some marriage. He said, I do. The story is so pretty. There's a lot to it. You know, he kept that. So the death of the testator, you take out a will and no, your wife or your husband don't get it until that person dies. This is the same principle. So he promised that to write it in our hearts and in our minds, but it had to happen after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection, after his ascension, and after his outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now that's when the New Testament was written in your heart and in your mind. Get for me Hebrews 8 and 10 and hold it please. Now you see the heart on this side of the cross? the kingdom of Yahshua. There are spiritual sacrifices now. The spiritual sacrifices is the acknowledgement and the obedience of Yahweh doing the will of him. 
See, not doing what you previously thought you had to do in our ignorance. Yahweh talks about also, he girded thee, though thou didn't know him. Girded means to provide. So he brought us out of the way of worship from a physical standpoint, brought us out of our physical churches, because you are the church, not a physical building. He brought us from that. He placed his spirit in us. How do you know that? Because you say his name and you believe on him, whom Yahweh has sent. You can't do that on your own. So his outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's now a law of spirit in you. That's where we are right now on this side of the cross. No longer pulling and dragging, dragging, dragging. They're all works of that negative spirit, dragging and over the uh, physical sacrifices and cardinal ordinances, dragging it over to this particular dispensation of grace. That's where we are now. Grace is unmerited favor. Please go back to the ages and dispensation chart. I know I'm saying a lot. I hope I I'm so I hope it's not too jumbled. This present kingdom age, people, is a present. It's a gift. That's where we are. It's a spiritual kingdom on earth. We're in a kingdom, and we have a king, a king in the kingdom. Every kingdom has to have a king or a ruler, someone that's sitting on, listen to this, your most holy place. Your most holy place is your brain. It's the head cavity of that physical body. That's the seat of all sensations. You see? That's what's operating, what's telling you to do this, what's telling you to do that. Yahweh's telling his sons now, I'm, he's speaking every day. Hear his voice, listen to him, not from physical standpoints. There's a spiritual assembly. There's a body of Yahshua. Did you know that? Holy Spirit through faith. What do you mean through faith? I believe he did it. He said he did it. He showed me he did everything. I believe he died for me. Get for me right quick. He was the sixth chapter. Uh, or is it he was 11 and six, where it says, um, I can't without faith. That is Hebrews 11 and six. Okay. Uh, let's see. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What I actually wanted was crucifying him afresh. Okay. Is that Hebrews? Um, I believe it is, but um... doing these things, continuing these things was, is crucifying him afresh. I can't. In other words, he came in, died the death of an outcast dog. He concluded physical sacrifices. For us to continue to do physical sacrifices in this current, present kingdom age of grace. That's six and six. Okay, go ahead. Hebrews 6 and 6. If they show, I will start up at, um, let's see. Okay, start at 1. Okay. Hebrews 6 and 1. Mm -hmm. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of the Messiah, let us go on unto perfection, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward Yahweh. And in the Holy Name Bible, it says the works of death. Mm -hmm. Good, either one, dead works, works of death. What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. All those sacrifices, all those things we did with our hands, all the Lord's suppers, all the baptism, all of those sacrifices and a faith towards Yahweh. We're not looking for faith. We better not just have faith towards Yahweh. We have faith in Yahweh. There's a difference. He's in you now. You're not just doing an outward show. That's towards Yahweh. Oh, I'm doing this because my grandmother did it. Say, no, you have to have a spirit in you that's operating the law of Yahweh in you. Go ahead and read. Of the doctrine of baptism. Right. And and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Mm -hmm. And this will we do if Yahweh permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of Yahweh and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. Okay, I'm going to read it like it says in the Holy Name Bible. If they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Mm -hmm. Seeing they crucify to themselves the son of Yahweh afresh and put him to an open shame. Mm -hmm. So to fall back, and you know, there is a, trend, uh, a booklet that Dr. Kenley wrote that says that the uh, the pink booklet, if anyone has that, I can't remember how it says that it was the restoration of the Holy, the restoration of the ordinances. Mm -hmm. I wanted to read what it actually said. I don't have it. But nevertheless, the crucifying of fresh is the restoration of the, of the cardinal ordinances in this current dispensation of grace. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not valid. It's inappropriate. Yahweh hates it. He don't want it. He has no pleasure in anything physical. That's right. To worship him. Now that's a heavy one. Yes. Because if you're going to church, that's all they're telling you to do. Give donations, jump in some water, eat some crackers and grape juice. And more than that, that cardinal ordinances chart, not cardinal ordinances, but the, um, uh, yeah, the cardinal ordinances chart, there's a scroll. And the, 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 uh, the Israelites back in the day, they had all 603, um, not 603, was it 603 ordinances and 13? So there's 10 or there's 10 court cardinal ordinances that we know of, but you see that scroll at the bottom and at the top. There was more on that. You see, it was a lot that they had to deal with. Yahweh, it was a merciful thing that he came in for us yes. and died the death of an outcast dog. That's bad, folks. Mm -hmm. That's bad. He wasn't just shot. He was, he was, he was tortured. He was brutalized. That physical body underwent, underwent great pains for you and I and torment for you and I. So I'm grateful. I said, thank you, Yashua. 
I was a blessing to come to that. I don't have to do anything physical. What, how do I worship him? In my heart and in my mind, I say the, the spiritual sacrifice, I think there's a scripture that says, is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Yeshua, thank you for giving me a knowledge and understanding. Thank you for bringing me out of the doctrines of despair, of physical cardinal ordinances and works that had nothing to do with satisfying you. And, from, and I, let me tell you this, people, what I didn't know until coming into the school. It was never given to us anyhow. Mm-hmm. It was only given to the natural Jew. That's right. That's it. Not to us. We are considered as Gentiles. There was only two branches of people, Jew and Gentile. And then that's what we represent. So Yahweh chose the people just to reflect that he was working with the nation. He was working with the chosen people. We are now a Jew after the spirit. It don't mean those physical Jews over there is all of that. They don't, some of them don't even believe a Messiah came. They don't believe in that. So it's not about them physically. But right now you're the spiritual Jew. Mm-hmm. You see? And that law is placed in your heart and in your mind. So the only thing you need to do is call on Yahshua in you. So I don't want I don't want to take that word. I don't want to alone and by yourself. The old folks used to say, go in your closet alone and by yourself. Ask Yahshua. Now let me qualify that because it's important. Do you realize that by the name of Yahshua, that's the only way you're going to get out of this world? The only safety you have in this world is calling on his name, not the 45 caliber gun under your mattress that you probably sleep with every night. The dogs, everybody's got pit bulls now. Everybody's buying dogs to be save their property. It's not your life insurance, all the money in the bank. It's not that. There are things coming upon this world now that we clearly see. Just like that storm over there, Ida, this viewing, you know, they see it coming. That's how Yahweh's showing it now. You see it coming. So you have to prepare. Our preparedness is Yahshua. I don't know Yahshua. Come clean. Use the name. The name Yahshua is the, um, what, how did Dr. Kennedy word it? The vessel or the container for the blood. Because he made, the, the blood had to be shed. That's why those sacrifices was done all the time. So the only worthy blood is Yahshua. So now you have to have the blood in you. And let me give you a principle. Back there with the children of Israel, physical principle. They had to be, in order to be delivered from the plague-stricken land of Egypt, 10 devastating plagues, then they had to take out a lamb. 
the lamb is Joshua. He comes in and say, I am the lamb. So they had to physically take out a lamb. They had to examine that lamb. That lamb had to be without spot and blemish. When the Messiah comes in manifested in the flesh, he says, when uh, 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 they was altering him up to kill him, Pilate had to say, what's the problem? What'd he do? Why y'all want to kill him? He says, I find no fault in him. That was Pontius Pilate. He had to say it because it got to fall under everything being fulfilled from a jot into a tittle. You see how he's fulfilling that? The children of Israel had to say when they went out to get a perfect lamb. I mean, really, how did they, how did they get perfect lambs? So you know Yahweh had to send them perfect lambs. And they had to slay, they had to find that lamb that they went out to get had to be without spot and without blemish because it's representing the true lamb without spot and without blemish. Mm -hmm. And so then that lamb comes in. They all had to kill that lamb. Then they had to take the blood of that lamb. They uh, moving fast. They had to kill him. They had to eat him. The whole assembly had to do that of Israel before coming out of the plague-stricken land of Egypt. And they had to take that blood of that lamb and place it on their doors. Now, Cecil B. DeMille's in the Ten Commandments shows the outside of their houses. Wrong. It wasn't on the outside. They had to place the blood on the inside of their doors. The upper part of the board, door, the two side posts of the board, and they had a basin that they where they dipped from the from it to splatter the blood on those doors. So it was four points of blood that they had to have on the inside of the door. Now this is how the founder of the school explained this: why you know it's on the inside of the door of their houses. Where's your blood? I remember when they first told me that you are the house. You are the building, if you would, uh, a temp, uh, what does it say, uh, 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 a temporary abode for the soul, you know, is what the body is. So your house, if you would, the tabernacle represents your physical body. And in the wilderness, the children of Israel, the high priest had to, you know, operate and officiate in that tabernacle. And once it was completed, the spirit of Yahweh filled that tabernacle. Now, if your body is a tabernacle, which is in a temporary abode for the soul, she told you your soul is going to live on. The body is going to back to the dust of the ground, you see. So, but if your body is that, then Yahweh must fill your tabernacle, your body. Yes, thank you. So he has to fill that. Your most holy place in the man by the pattern is your head cavity. That was the dwelling place of Yahweh when you look at the tabernacle. So the tab most holy place is most holy place, head cavity in your physical body. The holy place is the holy place in the tabernacle in your physical body is your chest region. The court roundabout in the tabernacle correlates with your abdominal region of the physical body. The vessels that are in the tabernacle, nine of them, correlates with the nine vessels in your physical body. 
That's why it's named Man by the Pattern. Say y'all made that up. You stick around. You'll be like, what the hell in the world? There's no way. We're not that smart. We couldn't have made it up. This was directly from Yahweh. In your most holy place, you have two, you have a brain and two hemisphere. That's where you have it. That correlates when you look at that tabernacle pattern, the two archangels, Michael and Gabriel. Well, Michael and Gabriel, one is to denote action, another sends a message. Well, the two hemispheres of your brain, one side of the brain to, sends messages, um, would do an action like the other side of the brain sends messages. You see, those two archangels representing one Michael who delivered messages. I'm sorry, Michael was an action and Gabriel delivered message. The example that we have on there is that it was Michael who barred the way back into the, uh, uh, the garden. See, or he fought for Yahweh and also the one that kicked him out, the devil out of heaven. You see, Gabriel is the messenger that came to Miriam to say, you're with child. That's with the baby Yahshua. Mm -hmm. Our two halves of the brain correlates with that most holy place, the two archangels. You see that eye in the middle of that most holy place? That was a Shekinah that would flash on the day of Pentecost. You see, and you have a Shekinah type or your, um, I'm, I'm just lost it, uh, pioneer gland, which means light in your brain. You see, you see down going through that bell part coming from the most holy place, you got your neck region is blue, purple, and scarlet. And the test for thyroxin in your neck it's purple. Thank you. I see the bell. So you see, you're going according to this tabernacle. You see, you have an altar of incense in the tabernacle pattern. No one knew the ingredients of that altar. Are they the incense? That correlates with your lungs and your physical body. See, it was a, a that that incense was for a sweet smell into Yahweh's nostril. You know, your lungs give you the sweet smell of life, air. You need that. That's what people are dealing with now with COVID. They get to that bad part that they can't breathe. So Yahweh has the ingredients for the oxygen, which is him. That light in that tabernacle points to your aorta, seven branch aorta, gives the light in your body. That's the pumping of your blood that correlates with your seven branches. A order. We didn't make this stuff up. This table of showbread had 12 loaves of bread on it. That correlates with your heart. The Red Cross says the average man has 12 pints of blood. We didn't make it up. We ain't that smart. You see, you come through that little door part. That's likened to the, that's the entrance of going down, but that's okay. Uh, you have, you come to a door leaving the holy place. On your body, that's your diaphragm. At that door going back to the tabernacle, when the wind blew it, it moved back and forth. Your diaphragm moves back and forth as you take the breath of life, you're breathing. Same operation. That brazen lava of water points to your kidney and your in the human body. We have it drawn to, together to show the same configuration of that. You got two kidneys, one on each side of your body. 
and your kidney as that altar was used to wash the animal sacrifices, that kidney is to wash your sacrifice, your blood. See, it has to be cleansed, you know, or you have problems, kidney problems, you see? The base of that is the configuration. That's your uh, bladder. I think it's the bladder in your body. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've been through it. But Yahweh, he'll bring it back to our memory. These things are esoteric. Then you have the gate, that altar there. And that altar was what I was talking about. Those animals was killed continually on that altar. It was a grading system. It was a fire burning. <laughs> I take Prilozac. It's so much gas, this food we eat. You ever have gas? See, it's always a burning. That's the same representation in your large and small intestines. You see, you digest your food. You put, and your, the, the blood on the four corners of your intestine is aided, adding in, aiding in the digest, digestion of your food. The physical sacrifice in Israel was animal sacrifices. When you eat food, you know, you eat that chicken. Uh, my husband cooked chicken. I'm so can't wait until I eat this fried chicken. I haven't had fried chicken in a while. Well, I'm going to consume that sacrifice because that chicken had to die for us. And I'm going to eat it. You see, same principle of that altar, them killing that animal sacrifice on their altar. Now, Yahshua and Messiah relates to all of this. See, and we're out of time. You must come back. I pray that you got something out of what was said today. This is a beautiful gospel, and it is the truth. If you got anything out of what was saying, all praises go to Yahshua and Messiah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Lewis. We enjoyed that. And this brings a conclusion to our lecture for today. We want to once again welcome and thank all our visitors for visiting with us today. We really do appreciate your attendance because it is encouraging for the brethren. And uh, once again, just to acknowledge, we did have a returning visitor and we also welcome you to come back and study with us because this is a school and not a church. We hold our classes here on Zoom on Sundays from 1130 to 130 and on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. May we all bar our hearts and our minds in a moment of doxology to Yahshua. Now to him, excuse me, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. <laughs>